0: Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and welcome to Devotional. It is my prayer before every episode that this podcast will be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe to Devotional on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening in. This way, you will be notified every time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones so they too can be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome once again to Devotional. We are on lesson number five, and today's episode is for Monday, January 28th. We are examining some kind of difficult parts of Scripture, not because uh, they're difficult. Um, For me, they're difficult because I'm trying to uh, be consistent with utilizing the Old Testament to interpret the New. And so I'm trying to look for these symbols in the Old Testament. And I shared already with you that I've struggled with this idea of the, the churches uh, being symbolized or the church's activities being symbolized by the by the these horses because at least in my Explanations when I would go through the four horses I would always say you know the white church the pure church, you know, it's going forward to conquer and to, to conquering But when I will go into the the second horse, which is the red one Which is the one we're looking at today the first one we're gonna be looking at the red and the black horse When I will go into the red horse, we would say well That's the state persecuting the church and maybe I explained it wrong but in that switch, I realized I wasn't being consistent because if the church is the one being, you know, focused on the, the behaviors, the actions of the church that is going from victory to victory is being highlighted, it's not difficult of saying, you know, the spirit is leading that church, that, the, that entity. But now when we switch over to the red horse, this red horse is... It doesn't sound very positive. (laughs) He's being given the power to take peace from the earth. He's being given a big sword. Doesn't sound like a church, does it? And so I'm going to be stretching some of these. Not stretching, but simply saying, okay, but hold up a second. Before we say it cannot be the church, my question is why not? If we're going to use the scriptures to interpret the scriptures. Because like I said, you know, it's difficult to is say well it's taking peace and how could this symbolize the church the church is supposed to be an entity of peace and so i'm going to read a passage from you uh, for you i told you earlier in the episode earlier episode that i'm going through the book of matthew gospel of matthew for my personal devotions and um i want to read to you from matthew chapter 10 verses 34 through 39 matthew chapter 10 starting in verse 34 jesus says Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Um, So if Jesus could describe himself in this way, maybe it wouldn't be too difficult then to imagine that the same spirit that led the church symbolized by the white horse is the same church or is the same spirit leading this entity right now. I'm going to keep reading verse 35. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the man's enemies will be of those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me, he is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So now it doesn't sound that difficult to see at least a relationship that could allow for the Spirit of God to still be working within this church. It's just that the outcome is not the same as the previous one. In the previous one, the victories are just allowing for expansion. Victories, victories, victories. But now comes the opposition. And that is what Jesus meant when he says, I did not come to bring peace on earth, but to bring a sword. And when he talks about this, he speaks about how his message, the gospel, will ultimately bring a a moment of decision for every human being. And oftentimes, when a human being chooses to live a life committed to Jesus Christ, it will put that individual in opposition, oftentimes to those closest to him or her, the husband, the wife, the children, etc. And so there's that difficult choice. Who do I love most? And in this case, as the church, the early church progressed and expanded, it it arose not simply opposition from, you know, the Jewish community or the Roman community, it provoked the wrath of the adversary. Here, at first, he thought, you know, he's destroyed Christ at the cross, he's finally victorious, and he does not realize that he's actually witnessing the victory and his own demise, his own ultimate destruction. And so, by the time he catches on as to what's happened, Jesus has been resurrected. He is spending 40 days with his disciples. He goes up to heaven. 10 days later, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends and Lucifer, Satan, this recognizes, I have been defeated. Without even realizing it, I have been defeated, and here's his church. And what is this church going to do? And when he sees that in just a few decades, how it's just uh, eating away his territory. You know, Paul found such opposition because all these individuals were burning their books of magic arts, the books of the occult, the books of the secret things of Satan, as as in the seven churches we read that. There were individuals consciously choosing to reject the kingdom of darkness and embracing and entering into the kingdom of light. Satan uh, uh, was provoked with wrath. And yes, he did use sometimes the Jewish community, but mostly the Roman emperors, to persecute the church, and thus the horse is red, the color of blood. But it's the color of blood because its message is still one of confrontation, one that brings division, which goes along with what Jesus says. I didn't come to bring peace on earth, but to bring a sword, which kind of parallels what this horse is. He's been given power to take away peace from the earth. So that doesn't mean a negative satanic power. It could also be the gospel. Because Jesus says that his message, he himself, would cause this reaction within humanity, this division. In other parts of the gospels, Jesus would say that uh, mother and father would turn you in and betray you um, and persecute you even up to death. And these individuals will think that they were doing God's service. They would be so convinced that they they were doing the right thing. Acts chapter 7 also comes to my mind. You know how now he began to be experienced and manifested the precursors of what would be a more universal experience. What took place with Stephen, right? He preaches to Jewish people, to his own compatriots. And he preaches from their book, from Torah. And he recounts the history of their common ancestors, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, etc. And then he finishes with a very punchy... A message You're stiff necked, you always resist the spirit, just like the Israelite rejected Moses and Joseph's brother rejected him. You have rejected the Holy One, the Messiah, and at once they pounce on him, and they kill him, and they stone him, they shed his blood. The preaching of the gospel would bring a reaction sometimes of repentance but increasingly one of resistance and violence attack, violent rejection. So it, it follows that this white horse of victory, victory, victory will transition into a red horse that is still experiencing victory, but at a, cross, at a cost of personal life. The martyrdoms began to expand, and whereas you know Stephen's martyrdom is highlighted, it's only him. But later on, not soon after, it would be many hundreds thousands of christians the more christians propagated the more the hand of rome guided and, and inspired by the spirit of satan we try to squash the church by the hundreds sometimes thousands so this is the for me it helps me reconcile a bit better how the spirit of god can still lead a church and even though it doesn't look very pretty And if you were to look at that first and second century Christianity, it didn't look pretty to see a mom and her child being mauled by bears, an entire stadium full of people cheering and laughing uh, and enjoying and paying money to watch Christians being burnt alive and being eaten alive by these ferocious animals. That did not look very pretty. And yet, here was a spirit still guiding the church. So, um, to... A great extent this kept the church still consistently pure but here's a temptation here's a temptation if if riding the white horse leads to the red horse then maybe i don't want to ride any one of those horses maybe i want to sit in the fence but that option is not given to the church god's people were never given the option of sitting on the fence you will either ride one of these four horses which one will it be and if you get in the white horse it will lead you to the red horse. But if you get on the black horse, it will lead you to the horse. And well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But here we see a a, a, consist, a a pattern of from A to B, A to B. From the white horse, you'll get to the persecution. But what if we get on the black horse? Um, the black horse, of course, is the church. Historically speaking, is a church as he reacts to this persecution when given an opportunity to no longer experience it. What? Hey, Satan realized the blood of martyrs is seed, as one Christian historian was quoted as saying. So how does this church respond to persecution? The Spirit is still leading the church, and the Spirit is saying, keep going forward. This this is still part of being victorious you know, your Lord and Savior went through the cross as well, and that's how he experienced victory. People are seeing the sincerity and the genuine authenticity of Christianity by your martyrdom, by your witnessing, being faithful even unto death. But the church realized, hey, wait a second, what if we don't have to die? What if we don't have to go from white to red? Can we go somewhere else? And why are we experiencing this persecution? It's the preaching of the word. You know, what happened to Stephen? What happened to John the Baptist? Why was John the Baptist decapitated? Because of his preaching, because of his denunciation of sins, the preaching of the principles of the gospel. So if the preaching of the word of God is what's bringing the sword, let's do something different. Then let's place um, a tourniquet. Let's not become this flow this pipe of God's message of God's word let's let's tourniquet this pipe let's bend the hose and 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 using a tourniquet I'm guessing I'm using some of my medical background when you put a tourniquet it's because you want to block the flow of blood and blood is what gives life and so this church was tempted of saying listen uh, if compromise will decrease the number of death certainly God will be pleased. And the Spirit of God, of course, was leading the church in a different direction, but as we've seen already in previous days, um, God did the same thing with the Old Testament church, with his people in the Old Testament. Don't compromise, Solomon. Don't go this this route. Don't think that by you marrying women of other nations, somehow my message, the message of the promise of the Messiah will somehow be accepted by them. It won't. And the church began to marry, spiritually speaking, into the idolatrous practices of the pagan church and decreasing and diminishing the authority and efficacy of the word of God. So it began to adopt an idea of preaching and teaching anything but a watered-down version of the original gospel, or worse, a mix of pagan with Bible teaching. So it becomes this church of blackness, of darkness. And historically speaking, it, this this is the, the, the dark ages. You know, the political correct term is the middle ages. But for many centuries, it was called the dark ages because it wasn't just no no scientific discoveries. It was the, the absence of the word of God. Your word is a light unto my feet. And the word of God was just in scarcity, which makes sense as to why this A horse is not just black but the rider is holding a scale in his hands and the measurements may not mean much to us but when you look at the quantities that are being uh, presented versus the price that is being asked for this uh, a a pound of wheat and three pounds of uh, three quarts sorry of barley the, the prices are exorbitant and the only time you have prices go up is when there's a shortage of them Uh, unfortunately it it can also be signs of exploitation as it was in the case in Puerto Rico my in-laws would tell me you know how water just spiked in cost in spite of FEMA and all these other places bringing free water people wanted to make a quick buck so everything went up Uh, I remember in Pennsylvania I think it was in the 70s there was a scare uh, scare because of war and so gas prices also go up remember that so this is what's happening in the book of Revelation but it's with the symbols the, the, the symbolic elements of what has been constituted, the word of God. Um, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. And bread was the staple, the common staple in tables. So that's why Jesus would compare um, his word with bread. I am the bread of life. In the sanctuary itself, you know, there were loaves of bread. But now the bread of life is in scarcity. There's not that much. There's a famine in the land. Of the word of God and the the one responsible for this famine is not Rome it's not some pagan entity it's the church the church itself the, the Satan has seduced and deluded the church into saying well, if you could ride the white horse it was in it will inevitably lead you to the red horse but here's another horse why don't you get on this horse you won't die with this one but there's a price to ride this horse You gotta be willing to cut back, extremely cut back, tourniquet this flowing of the word of God into the communities, into the society, into the hearts and minds of individuals, but ultimately into your own heart. So you can only give what you have. And if you want a a scarcity and, and, and famine of the word out there, you're gonna starve yourself too. And so, again, just like we talked yesterday. History inevitably has, unfortunately, repeated itself, just like in the Old Testament with God's people, it being repeated with God's people in the New Testament and onward. And this black uh, horse, this church represented by the black horse, is no longer being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's maybe why they're being left alone when it says, do not harm the oil and the wine. No matter how much Satan would try to restrict the activities of the church in righteous mission, um, you know, through apostasy and and pagan teaching, it still did not take away from the reality that Jesus was still on the throne, and that his righteousness still will cover human beings, and that his Holy Spirit will still be active. Uh, God never left the whole thing up to the church, praise the Lord. Uh, his spirit was still override. And even when, when you have this dark period of church history, you do find some luminaries. You do find some Catholic individuals who saw through the facade, who were fed up with the, with the compromises and with the corruption of the church, and in their own hearts made up their minds that they would not be these tourniquets of the Word of God, these restrictions and prohibitions, but rather they would try to do their best to present the word of God as the realities versus these pagan superstitions that were quickly spreading through the land as if if they were part of the gospel. We'll see how these things played out later on as we progress through the seals. But right now, again, this is a temptation for us. I'm not going to wag my finger and say to this church, shame, shame, shame. You didn't want to ride the white horse because the white horse will lead you to the red horse. You wanted to get on a different horse. A horse that has a price there's no blood in that horse but there's a price of darkness an absence of the word of god in your own heart and an absence and a famine of the word of god around you this is a temptation because that's the price we pay for no persecution so some questions how much of god's word flows through my church How much of God's word flows through my Sabbath school class? And I'm not just speaking as if I am the teacher. I'm talking to you as a student. How much of the word of God flows through you? How much contribution do you bring to your Sabbath school class? And by me asking this question, of course, a very practical thing you can do is right now, go up to your Sabbath school quarterly, your lesson, open it up. How much answers are there? how much interaction is there, and not just with the lesson. The the questions and the answers that we write on those lessons are predicated, are dependent upon you opening the other book, right? We're not supposed to study the Sabbath school quarterly. That's what I tell every person that I disciple and I mentor in teaching them how to study the Sabbath school quarterly. I tell them, we're not going to study the quarterly. The quarterly is going to be a tool to study the Bible. In proportion to your interactions with this tool, with the lesson, it is indicative of your interactions with the Word of God. And of course, there are individuals that, you know, because of time or preferences, whatever, they may just choose to engage the Word of God and not the Sabbath school quarterly. But then again, my friend, you you need to not just say, well, I read the Bible. You need to study it because Sabbath school is a school. And if you want to be in a school, it's, it's good to be studying, right? I would hate to be part of a school that does not require me to study. How much of the word flows through me when I come to Sabbath school? Not just to bring polemics or discussions or arguments, but to bring bread, to bring encouragement, to bring fresh lights that reveal fresh new light that reveals the, the, the love of God that exalts Christ. I might prepare when I come to Sabbath school to share the beautiful insights when given the opportunity. Yes, and even if I'm not, you know, part of a Sabbath school class, maybe I'm in a church that is tiny or super big, <laughs> those extremes, but you personally, you don't really need to be a part of a Sabbath school class for the Word of God to flow through you. Is the Word of God flowing through your life, or are you and I choosing to ride a different horse? So we have this choice, and Revelation right towards the end appeals to us again using this horse imagery uh, this white horse does not fade out with the four horsemen in revelation chapter six this white horse finds its way again Um, even though it goes through the color of blood it it, um, surfaces again right towards the end revelation chapter 19 verse 11 says now i saw heaven open And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. 13 And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. See, we have now this combination, white horse, and but now the rider on this horse, his clothing is red. His clothing is red because it has been dipped in blood. You have a combination of white horse, red horse, at least the colors are combined, pointing to this um, transition, this natural transition that we'll experience on this earth. Paul tells us that if any man wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, he will experience persecution. That's just the rule of thumb for planet Earth because of the adversary. But the white horse and the red horse transition doesn't stay red. Eventually becomes white again because it continues saying, verse 14, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. On Earth, we will go from victory to victory riding a white horse that will inevitably lead to a red horse. But that red horse will not always be red. It will become white again. We will experience a victory from which there will be no regrets. We will experience a victory in which any and every sacrifice made for it will have been worth it. this is Pastor Ariel and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of devotional it is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word including using the study tool of our Sabbath School quarterly if you haven't yet please subscribe to this podcast this way you will be notified each time a new episode is published and don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional.